Hey, it's Lynn Galadner, and this is the Make Meaning Podcast. I am a writer and an entrepreneur, and through decades of writing articles for magazines and newspapers and authoring books, I've wondered what makes life meaningful and what makes work worth doing. In my day job, I help schools and universities, entrepreneurs and leaders learn how to market and grow their reach. You can learn more about my company, Your People, at yourppl.com. I also am a writing coach, and I teach my signature Find Your Voice Writers Workshop, through writingworkshops.com and at makemeaning.org. I help people, organizations, and movements find their voice and gain the confidence to use it. Because everything we do means something. Why waste your moments? You are needed. You can make the world better. And by caring about the people you encounter and the tasks you take on, you get closer every day to finding your unique meaning and living life with purpose. This podcast focuses on all the many ways people make meaning in the mundane. You'll hear stories of courageous people daring to imagine a life they love. If you like what you hear, give us a review on any of the podcast platforms you find this show. There are many ways to fill your life with meaning. Join us at makemeaning.org to learn more. Now, on to the show. Most people know who they are meant to be at a young age. It's the kind of knowledge that you don't have to speak about or articulate. You just know. And then as life gets in the way and we start to pay attention to the expectations of parents and teachers, community members, and other adults around us, we lose that clarity and fall into ruts and roles dictated by those expectations, not by the little voice that lives within each of us. Today on the Make Meaning podcast, I welcome Ramona Pintea, an artist in Romania who has always been an artist, but didn't think that was enough for a career. Frankly, Ramona was waiting for validation and permission from the art world to quit her interior design business and focus solely on her art. In 2018, the art world did start taking notice and galleries and collectors validated her work. But it wasn't until the coronavirus pandemic hit in 2020 that Ramona got the validation she'd really wanted from the public and everyday folks. Ramona took direction from the seven female heads of state whose strong leadership confronted the pandemic in great and inspiring ways. And she created a series of paintings called Urban Queen, which she shared and sold over social media. This has become a movement. And Ramona says these paintings taught her an important lesson, that a queen serves and to be purposeful, to live with meaning, her art must serve others. Ramona Pintea, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. I'm really excited to chat with you. And I want to start with your decision in 2013, after you turned 40, when you told your staff you were closing your interior design business. So tell me about that day. You know, How did it feel? What were the reactions? And, and what did it require to be brave enough to take such a drastic step? Until you get to that day, so many things happen within yourself. You know, first of all, you have the big desire of wanting to be to be an artist, which I've had since I was 18 when I first discovered painting. And then, you know, you go through life and and I never had the courage to do it. And I always wanted to. And then I was painting as a hobby on the side and all these things were happening. So I think by the time I reached that day, I was so excited about, you know, leaving everything behind and starting a new path in life that I, I was just, I was just over the moon. I was just jumping out with joy to 
actually have the courage. You know, it took me 22 years to have the courage <laughs> to embrace this. So, yeah, I don't remember much apart from me being really, really, really excited and saying, that's it. I'm doing this. There's, there's just no way back. You know, when you've crossed the line and there is no way back. That's what I did. And, you know, Tony Robbins says, you have to burn the ships, you know, you have to burn the ships to go forward. So that's exactly what I did. I, I closed the business and burned the ships. And I said, this is the new path. So I have to go, you know, full out. I don't think it's inconsequential that you were 40 when that happened. And I feel like um, 40 is an age when things really come into sharp focus where you, a lot of people take stock. I know I did and was sort of like, okay, what's my life going to mean? I don't have all the time in the world, so I better make sure that it counts. So how much of that do you think was like getting to sort of midlife and, and taking stock and saying, you know, what am I here for? What's my purpose? Or was it just that, you know, you were tired of sort of being a cog in the wheel and you wanted to go out on your own? Like what, what do you think were those factors that motivated such a big change? Well, I, I never felt like a, like a hamster on the wheel, uh, because I've always had businesses that I really enjoyed and I've always done work that I have truly done with passion and with joy. I, I was for, I opened my first business when I was about 24 or 25 and it was a fashion design business and then you know this was an interior design business that I closed at the time so I was still in um running my own business setting my own hours and my own pace and and doing work that was creative but for me I think my whole life was a matter of where is the excitement and am I enjoying it well enough and am I having fun and is this what I'm supposed to be being 40 was obviously had a big part because you tend to be a little bit wiser and exactly like you said you tend to think yes maybe I don't have that much time left and maybe it's time to just do exactly what I want to do you know just to focus on on my on my true, true, true passion. And painting was always my true, true, true passion. And then it was a lot of, of work on myself to actually have the courage and the guts to, to do it. And I think that comes with age as well. You know, it comes with many years of working on my mindset and on myself. Mm -hmm. And, and it, I think age is, you know, aging is beautiful. I used to, you know, when I was younger, I used to think, oh no, it's all, all downhill and it's not very nice. But <laughs> as I am growing older, I feel more within my element and within my power and within my closeness to creation. And, and I feel better, shall I say? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I totally hear you. I, I completely agree with that. And it's funny because I have all these teenagers at home and they all think we're so old. And I'm like, yes. no, 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 life is just great right now. You know, exactly. like you just, you wait, you think being 17 is cool. Hey, when you get to 49, I mean, it's, exactly. it's rocking, you know? Exactly. Um, and now you're a teenager and you can do your own thing, which means I can do my own thing. So it's later. <laughs> I have a teenager too. So I totally relate. <laughs> so after you closed your business, did your art career take off? Like, tell me what has happened in the years since. So after I closed my business, it was a very, very hard road ahead. Oh. <laughs> Very hard road. And um, well, first of all, I think I took a few years just to learn the craft. Mm -hmm. And I had this big thing of my head thinking, oh, but I didn't, you know, go to art school fully and I'm not good enough. So I, I had to study and to make sure that I feel that I have studied enough. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then I think it was just a matter of working with my mind and feeling that I am good enough as an artist. I think that was the main reason why it took so long. I think Mm -hmm. as a business, you know, the other businesses took off within a year. As a business, my art career, it probably, it was very, very slow for the first five years. I had spoken to my husband and we said, okay, well, you try this thing and we'll give it two years. And then if it doesn't happen, you know, you can do another business. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it took a lot longer than that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it sounds like it was when you came to the Urban Queen series that it really took off. So before I ask you about that, because that's going to come next, but I wanted to know if you would just describe your sort of artistic style or genre so that, you know, I can sort of understand how you see yourself in the art world. Like what, what genre, how do you describe the way that you do art? So I think the most important thing for me is the message that I want to convey through my art. Mm -hmm. And, um, My art speaks to women, about women, for women. When you go into a museum, you know, there are many women painted, but most of them are painted by men. Mm -hmm. So they are being observed by a male person Mm -hmm. where I want to paint women from a woman's point of view. I want to talk about our desires. I want to talk about who we are, what we go through, our emotions, our, you know, our inner world and I have been painting women since about 2015. So Urban Queen was just a development that has been going on through various series that that look at aspects that we go through as women, but through from different points of view. <laughs> okay. Okay. So yeah, then let's go into Urban Queen. Tell me a little bit about it, you know, how you started into this whole series. What was the inspiration for it? How did it evolve? Tell me about it. So when when the pandemic started in March uh, 2020, I had just come back from an exhibition in, in uh, Bath in the UK and my daughter had been to a concert and we had been everywhere and I was thinking, oh no, we're gonna, you know, we're all gonna have COVID. And it was that craziness when when the the pandemic was just taking off in Europe and we all went into a lockdown and I thought I'm not gonna be able to paint now maybe I'll just I don't know do all the housework that I don't enjoy doing and never get to do or something else <laughs> and because uh, I couldn't go to my studio my studio was quite far away and we were in complete lockdowns so I couldn't go anywhere hmm. and it didn't you know then I then I was observing. I think I was, you know, watching TV and observing, which is not something I do. I don't usually watch TV and reading. And I wanted to do something. I thought, what can I do? I, I felt like doing something was the time when, you know, the Italians were hit really badly and people were sending them aid and they were out on their balconies singing their hearts out. And I set up a home studio and I started painting this painting called Mother Earth, which looked at the hope amongst all these terrible things that were happening. So I was looking at, you know, we were talking about the planet that she gets a uh, time to breathe a little bit because we're all in lockdown and there's not so much pollution and the birds are out there and the plants are taking over the, <laughs> the parks. <laughs> yeah. So I painted this painting and I started sharing it online and I had such a huge response. People were really connecting with this painting. And then it kind of took off by itself. I read an article in Forbes magazine that talked about women leaders and how they dealt with the pandemic. Mm 
mm-hmm. um, you know, and it was such a different style of leadership from men. Yeah. And this was something that I was looking at anyway in my previous series, which was called She Knows, uh-huh. where I was looking at women um, and I was using animals and spirit animals as symbols of our own strength and our own courage and our own you know, qualities that we have, which are different than men's qualities, but which the world really needs. Yeah, I, I strongly believe that the world needs the balance of masculine and feminine. Then I started painting these women as leaders. And I looked mm-hmm. at a woman as a leader, not only from a, you know, head of state kind of leader, but also women now had to stay at home and look after children and do homeschooling and do homework and do their own work and then deal with a husband. And I wanted to see who we are right now in this point in time and in this point of history. And this is how this paint started to take shape. And again, I was sharing all that on on Facebook and I was absolutely amazed about the conversations that I was having with women and the, you know, the ideas they were giving me. And it was it was almost like we were co-creating this series. I mean, they were naming the paintings. They named it Urban Queen, the whole series. Oh, <laughs> was, that's amazing. Yeah, a really beautiful energy, which is still going on now, a year later. <laughs> wow, wow. So how many paintings have sort of come to be because of this focus? I don't know, maybe 50, 70, somewhere around there. I don't think wow. I've re- hundred yet, but around, around that mark, I would think. Wow. And have you seen your work evolve since you closed your business in 2013 and sort of developed this art career? How has your painting developed and expanded or even changed? Oh, absolutely. It, it changed dramatically. So the five, the first five years, you know, I was more of, a, of an observant. I was painting nature scenes and love scenes. And then when I started looking at women, you know, it was more about, I was asking these questions that you mentioned before, who are we in society or who are we in relation to God? Who are we as beings and do we have a purpose? And so then I have all these nudes because that's when you're most vulnerable when you're nude. Yeah. Looking out, sort of looking towards the universe and asking these questions. Mm. And I remember one day I was sitting there looking at this painting and I just had this need to go and attach an angel wing to this nude. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like the answer came to me saying, well, you are part of the divine. You Mm -hmm. are here. All you need is within you. Stop looking outside and look within. Mm -hmm. And then the series changed into this other series, like I mentioned before, she knows where she's looking within. So she's looking at these panthers and tigers. And I, I, I use a lot of the big cats mm-hmm. because you recognize the strength of the big cats, which she recognizes within herself. Mm-hmm. And then the urban queen is a lot more fun. I, I don't think it's so serious. You know, you have these really fabulously colorful, bright colored paintings and they're wearing sunglasses and they're wearing crowns and they they you know have the bright red lipstick which is a lot more now I'm a queen and I know it yeah Yeah. (laughs) in a way the whole work was questions 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 now I've reached the point where you know what now I own it now I know who we are and I wish every woman knows and I love I love it that a lot of women buy it to put it in their offices Mm. you know a lot of women entrepreneurs or or they run their 
their own businesses or and they put it in their office and they go yes I'm a queen I know I connect with it. I relate with it and I really love that because I think it just reaches exactly where it needed to go <laughs> absolutely absolutely it's so interesting um I recently interviewed one of the female government ministers in New Zealand and um, which was phenomenal. And we'll, we'll put that in the show notes here. But um, it was really about their program to eliminate period poverty by providing all the schools in New Zealand with period products. And but the conversation sort of wound around. We talked about COVID. We talked about what it's like when you have, you know, 50 percent of parliament is female in New Zealand. Yeah. And and it was Minister Tanetti, Jan Tanetti, who said you can see it reflected in the legislation, you know, that, exactly. that women leaders bring different issues to the fore. And it changes your country. And so um, it's so fascinating. I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole with that because it's such a powerful notion and female leadership can be so impressive and, and strong. And yet so many are afraid of it. And I don't know if that's something that you've in any way meditated on or reckoned with, or maybe there's another series coming in the future about <laughs> why people are so afraid of female power. But, you know, any thoughts on that? I think one of my missions is to encourage women to use their God-given talents in their leadership skills and not to look at men for leadership skills. We don't want women to lead like a man. We want women to lead like women do because this is what we need. We need the compassion and we need the caring and we need the intuition and we need all these qualities that we have. And I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, they were called soft qualities or <laughs> not so important qualities. And I think this is exactly what the world needs right now that, yeah. that because you need the balance. So my message, I don't know, you know, if people out there are scared of women, but my message is for women not to be scared of their own qualities and not to put them aside, but to nurture them and to yeah. employ them more and more in their leadership roles. And I also, I encourage women to look at the fact that they have leadership roles in their everyday lives. Yeah. You know, we lead our family, we look after the kids, we lead our I don't know, our yoga practices or our little communities or our little things that we do. And this is the leadership and this is what the communities need. They need yeah. us and, and um, you know, stay in our own feminine power. I think that's that's the main message that I want to, to put out there. We are stronger than we think we are and we yeah. are very strong. Yeah. And to stay within our own feminine power in our strength. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. So I want to go back a little bit to your love of art which you had said you discovered at a young age. And I know um, you were born in Transylvania. You moved to London after communism crumbled in 1989. So was there a pivotal moment in your childhood that showed you you were meant to be an artist? Was there some event that happened or sort of realization where you're like, this is who I am? Did anything happen like that to show you? Well, I don't know whether that showed me that I needed to be an artist. When I was 12, I remember the fact that I hated the fact that everything was gray, you know, in <laughs> communism, it was just so much gray. And I, and I remember feeling the absence of color. And mm -hmm. I remember seeing a book on Michelangelo and mm -hmm. I looked through this book and it was all about Capella Sistina. And I thought, oh my God, if I can ever get out of this country, I will go to somewhere where there's this much color and beauty. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
it was art that made me have this huge desire to live the communist times and to leave Romania at that time and leave. And, and um, so then I moved to London when I was 18, just after communism crumbled. And it was then because I hadn't finished school. So I went to school and I could choose what I wanted to do. So I picked up art. And it was then when I really fell in love with art and we were doing life classes, life drawing classes. And and I had a fantastic art teacher and absolutely loved it. So I think that's when I really wanted to be an artist. But I just, you know, moved by myself, no family. I had to look after myself and I was scared of that starving artist mentality. So I didn't go down that path. (laughs) Well, it's true because, you know, I mean, I've been a writer my whole life and it was sort of this message that, you know, that's very nice, but you can't make a living at it or it's so risky. You could be this, you know, this poor writer who can't afford food or whatever it is. And so I feel like, you know, a lot of us make career decisions to, to be safe, to make sure that the will be an income stream. and But then there's this talent that is sort of starving within because we're not letting it feed. We're not letting it out, you know, to really explore and, and do what it's meant to do. And I feel like that's, that's a very common story where you know who you are at a young age, but you don't have the courage or the confidence to be that person because of all the the stories that we hear in in society about how like have a reliable job have a reliable source of income so i wanted to ask you if you think that you know your the work that you did from like 18 until you know 40 was sort of acceptable businesses that you knew that you could sort of be artistic but but you could, you know, earn a living in a more mainstream way. You know, I, I do this in marketing and public relations. So I've had this business since 2007 and I do like a lot of it, but my real passion is writing poetry, creative nonfiction, and it's not quite there. You know, yes, I get to write every day, but not in the way that I would necessarily like to, which is why, you know, at this age, I'm coming back to it and saying, nope, this is who I need to be. But there's still that voice that's saying, but you need to earn a reliable living. And so, you know, did you find that you had steps along the way where you you poured your creativity into those channels so that you could have reliable income sources? I think the path that I took, I wouldn't change it for anything because it made me become who I am today. You know, I had to work a lot on myself, as I said, coming from a communist country with all this, you know, negative mentality. I had a very, very negative mentality. And that's how much I could do at the time with the mentality that I had and with the upbringing that I had. That's how much creativity I would I could do. I, I, I opened up my fashion design business or I went to uh, London College of Fashion to study fashion design, but I was taking on the side, you know, classes for pattern cutting and garment making, thinking, well, if I can't be a designer, at least I can garment maker or something I, sure. and I can get a job. Sure. So, but then that served me when I actually opened the business in the end, because I knew how to construct a garment, not just how to draw it. So then I could run it as a business. And that was very creative as well. And then as I knew that there was more for me to do, I started learning personal development. So in 2001 was my very first Tony Robbins seminar. And after that, I have studied with you know, Jim Rohn and uh, oh, a, a whole big list of <laughs> personal <laughs> development, which I've been doing for the last 20 years. 
So I wouldn't change what I did because it was still a creative outlet and it was still a lot of fun and it was still fantastic. And it brought me to the point where I could fully embrace art the way I did embrace it. Because who knows, if I had started earlier, maybe I would have given it up. I mean, if it took me five years when I was 40 (laughs) to start making money from it, I wouldn't have been able to do it then. And and then I would have given it up and never tried again. Sure, sure. So Uh, I think I think it was the right path for me. And I like to believe that I don't no regrets for me. (laughs) Good, good, good. good. So on this show, you know, we focus on how people find meaning and work and purpose in life. And so I always like to close by asking my guests what advice they might offer to our listeners to go in search of their meaning and and turn that into purpose-driven work. So what advice might you leave our listeners with today? So I I don't think I knew I found meaning and purpose until I created this Urban Queen series. Mm. And it was at that point, so I was living my lovely life being an artist and I was enjoying it, but I was creating art for me. And when I painted the Urban Queen series and I had this connection with people out there, because before I used to work through galleries, so then you never see the collector, you never talk to the collector, you don't know who buys your art. But when I started connecting, straight to the collector and they were telling me how they were feeling when they had the painting you know they would receive the painting they go oh my god it makes me feel so powerful and I have all these you know beautiful emotions every time I look at it and it's this is how I want to bring up my children I have daughters and that's when I realized that I'm not painting for me. I'm actually painting for other people. And that's when I thought, now I found meaning in my life. The meaning for me is the more I can give somebody else, the more joy I can bring somebody else through a piece of art, the more meaning I have for what I do. My advice would be find something to do that offers something better for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that's the secret of finding meaning. If you just do it for yourself, yes, it's lovely. It's wonderful. You've done it for yourself. But when you've actually touched somebody else's heart, when you've actually seen that something that you do resonates within another person, I think that's the true meaning and purpose. And that's when you know you found your purpose. Well, I can't think of a better place to finish our interview. So that is just (laughs) beautiful. Ramona Pintea, thank you so much for being on the Make Meaning podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here, join us over at makemeaning.org to discover how you can add more meaning to your life. And hey, if you like our conversations, please subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world.